Hey, we are continuing our series this morning, When Jesus Comes to Church, where we've been asking, you know, what would happen if Jesus were to come to TFRC, where he uh, walked into this room and somehow we knew for a fact that it was Jesus. You know, what if Jesus uh, came to our church in the flesh? How would we respond? You know, after we all took selfies and posted on social media, after we did all that, what impact would that make on our faith? And then at some point, Jesus starts talking to us. What would he have to say to us? And so if you open your Bibles, if you have those, uh, go ahead and open them to Revelation chapter 3. Um, 2,000 years ago, after his death, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus appeared to the apostle John, and he had a message for the churches. And in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we read those messages to the seven churches, the seven churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, back then, it was called Asia. And in this series, we are looking at the seven churches in Revelation 7 being a number for completeness. In essence, this really is a message for the entire church. And we want to hear what Jesus had to say to them and what it means for us. Again, the church in the first century, they had no power, they had no rights, they were marginalized in Roman society. And we want to listen this morning to hear what Jesus has to say to the church in a city called Philadelphia. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Anna DeLay. And so Anna, if you want to make your way on up to the podium, and as she does, I'm going to ask you if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. And um, we stand because we believe this is the Word of God, and we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us that Scripture is to be central in our lives. And so, Anna, whenever you are ready, please read from Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city, my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Anna, thank you very much. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, towards the end of this passage, Jesus talks about pillars. Um, and pillars are just simply things that are foundational. They, um, help in building, they just kind of help hold up other parts of the building. Uh, here, obviously, the pillar term is used metaphorically, and when you use the, the term pillar metaphorically, really there's pillars of all sorts of things 
uh, in life. You can have pillars for all kinds of things. Um, you can have the pillars of a good diet. Uh, and what would be the pillars of a good diet? Well, probably things like, you know, whole grains and fruits and vegetables, unsaturated fats, you know, making sure you get enough calcium and vitamin D. Those would be the pillars of a good diet. The pillars of a fun diet uh, would be more like McDonald's, potato chips, Red Bull, and Snickers. That would be the pillars of a fun diet. Not necessarily a healthy diet, but it would be fun. Um, pillars of exercise, you know, things like cardio or strength training or balance training or flexibility. Okay, that, those are good pillars of a good exercise regime. If you want pillars of a little easier exercise regime. Uh, that would be things like running the remote control, uh, Monday night football, watching your kids or other people play sports, um, couch potato relays. Those would be great pillars of an easier uh, exercise regimen. Um, you know, even in society, there's a term called the pillars of society. And some traditional pillars of society include things like you know, government and business and education and family, uh, religion, media, arts and entertainment. You know, as a society, we look to these seven pillars, and there's probably more you could add to that list, but we look to things like this to give us some sense of certainty and stability and order. But the problem with these kinds of pillars um, is that they're always in flux. They're always shifting. And whether they shift a little or a lot, whenever a pillar shifts, um, it makes things uncertain. Do you really want to be in a building where the pillars seem to be shifting all the time? No, you don't. And just likewise, when these pillars of society shift, there's just a lot of uncertainty in our lives. And if you just take a look at the list, and you can add things, like I said, to it if you'd like, um, what kinds of pillars do you find yourself leaning on for stability in your life? And whether it's these on the list, these traditional pillars of society, or maybe it's something else entirely, I think it's good to ask yourselves that because sooner or later, these pillars are going to shift on you. And it's going to bring uncertainty to your life. Uh, the church in Philadelphia, whom the passage was written to that we heard this morning, uh, they lived in uncertain times. Uh, Philadelphia was an important city in that day because it was considered the gateway to the east for the Roman Empire. Um, but the church in Philadelphia, and even Philadelphia as a city, there was a lot of uncertainty. First of all, um, that area of the world at that time had all sorts of earthquakes. Um, and there was a time where the city of Philadelphia had to be rebuilt. In 17 AD, about 50 to 70 years before uh, the letter was written, um, an earthquake hit the city of Philadelphia and literally leveled it to the ground. And the city had to be rebuilt. But it wasn't like there were federal programs to get money from. Uh, the people had to come up with the money. How are we going to rebuild our city? And obviously, they didn't have the money to rebuild the city. So they had to go and ask Caesar, go to Rome, and ask them for imperial assistance to rebuild the city, which Caesar did. Um, but whenever you do that, uh, there's a little bit of a political cost that comes with that. And one of the things that I just think represents Philadelphia's political uncertainty is that they always received new names. And while the name Philadelphia 
stuck throughout the decades that every now and then they were just given this new name. Um, it was the Emperor Tiberius who was the one who helped them rebuild after this earthquake in 17 AD. And so in gratitude, the city took a new name called Neo Caesarea. Um, a couple decades later, out of some political maneuvering, they took another new name called Flavia in order to endear themselves to a Roman emperor called Vespasian. Uh, and he was a part of the Flavian family. And while it may not be a big deal to get a new name for your city every 10, 20 years, although it would be interesting if Twin Falls got renamed every, you know, 20, 30 years, um, the fact that they had to keep taking on new names to make good with the emperors kind of gives you an idea of how unstable they were politically. And then on top of that, the church in Philadelphia, um, they were small. They were of little strength. If you were to turn to verse 8 of the passage and just look where Jesus says, I know you have little strength. They were probably a relatively small church. They didn't have much influence or power. Uh, again, in the Roman Empire, they had no rights. And on, on top of being small and little, um, they suffered persecution. If you look in your Bibles to verses 9 and 10 of the passage, where it says, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, since you have kept my command, to endure patiently. Um, they were facing some kind of opposition, persecution, that Jesus says the source of which was Satan himself. Um, and so there's not much stability in the lives of these Philadelphia Christians. And so Jesus comes to them with a message of insurance. And he gives them some pillars, if you will, um, to build their foundation. And the first pillar is that Jesus is immutable. Jesus is immutable, which is just a fancy way of saying that Jesus doesn't change. And if you look in your Bibles to verse 7, it says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. What Jesus opens, no one shuts. What Jesus shuts, no one opens. Jesus does what he wills. And in a world where everything changes, Jesus remains steadfast. He remains steadfast in his love for you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in a world where your value can drop just like that, where what you can contribute and what you are worth can just decline in ways that you never saw coming, where maybe you lose your job or your business struggles, and you hit financial uncertainty, and your value literally drops. Or you have some kind of health crisis, and you can't do the things that you used to be able to do. And it gets you asking, what good am I if I can't do the things that I've always done? Or maybe something happens that dings your reputation, where you lose respect of the people you love. And again, it just makes you question your value. In a world where your value can drop suddenly, Jesus' love for you is steadfast. And Jesus is also steadfast in his belief in you. He who began a good work in you will be careful to carry it to completion. And look, some of us, we try to live like Jesus, try to model our lives like Jesus, and, and no matter how hard we try, we just can't quite do it. We just fail time after time and time again. But sometimes, we don't even try to live like Jesus. And then sometimes we don't even care if we live like 
Jesus. And wherever you fall on that spectrum this morning, maybe you see yourself, hey, I'm trying, um, I'm battling against my own flaws, but I'm doing my best. Or maybe you're on the other end where you're like, you know, I really don't even care what you're talking about living like Jesus. That doesn't matter to me. Wherever you are on that spectrum, Jesus is very interested in you. And he is steadfast in his support of you. Jesus is always interceding for us. And look, I know you have friends that support you. I know you have families that support you. And those are great things to have. Um, But no one is going to support you and go to bat for you like Jesus. And while he doesn't support everything you do or everything you want, he believes in you. And look, your job can be your pillar, your education can be your pillar, your family can be your pillar, but just remember, Jesus doesn't change. He is steadfast in his love, in his belief, and in his support of you. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. It's the kind of pillar to build a life on. second pillar that Jesus gives is that there is always an opportunity for you to make an impact. There is always an opportunity for you to make an impact. If you look in your Bibles to verse 8, where it says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He says, I know your deeds. Jesus pays attention to us. He is very interested in what we do. Jesus is basically saying in this letter, don't think that you don't matter. Your faith as a community of faith and your faith as an individual, that matters to me. You are not invisible. I know your deeds. And look, for us as a community of faith, whether it's a prayer wall or what we do in children's ministry or youth ministry or young at heart or what happens in this room on Sunday morning, Jesus is paying attention. And he says, I know your deeds. It matters to Jesus. And he also says, hey, to the church in Philadelphia, I know you have little strength, but you have kept my word. And it's just a great reminder that you don't have to be a perfect or awesome follower of Jesus for you to make an impact. You don't have to get your life right before God will call you to make some kind of impact. I don't know where you are in your faith spectrum right now this morning. But in one sense, for God, it doesn't matter. He wants you to make an eternal impact. And he's ready to use you right now, today, this morning. And God, he knows our weaknesses better than we do. But whatever your weakness is, God's grace is sufficient for you. As 2 Corinthians says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Jesus says, I have placed before you an open door. And God's grace is sufficient for us. We don't need to have it all together. There is an open door before you to make an impact for Jesus. And it might be a small impact, it might be a big impact. But there's an open door right before you. It's an opportunity. And brothers and sisters, life is just too short. How long do you think we have to make an eternal impact? We're not going to live on this earth forever. So take the opportunity that you have before you today to make an impact. You know, one thing that surprised me about my interactions with um, our Iranian brothers and sisters is that the Iranian Christians, they believe that Iran will be converted to Jesus. They are convinced you are not going to talk them out of it and give them all the reasons that I would have given them. I didn't say this to them because I was encouraging their faith, but owe me of a little faith. I have a hard time believing that. Christianity isn't even legal. Islam dominates. The government has a firm control. They throw people in jail for their faith. And their jails are not as nice as our jails. Um, but for them, they see Jesus opening doors. So all that other stuff doesn't matter. And they are convinced that Jesus is on the move in their country. And even though they are weak, they make the most of every opportunity. Likewise for us. There are some opportunities that we have to make an impact on someone for Jesus, and we are not sure how this is going to work out. But Jesus opens the door. And as a community of faith at TFRC, we have all sorts of open doors in children's ministry and youth ministry, Young at Heart, Mustard Seed, um, Sage Women's Center, which used to be Pregnancy Crisis Center, um, our mission partners in Thailand, uh, the Iranian ministry, our mission partners with Malawi, uh, what we did with Summer Serve. We have all sorts of open doors here at TFRC. And part of the reason we have all these open doors is because in the past, we have walked through other doors that were in front of us. And when we've taken those opportunities, God has given us, with faithfulness comes another open door, and another one, and another one, and another one. And so when you are faithful with a little, God will give you more opportunity. What door is open for you to make an impact for Jesus? And you just need to walk through it. It's one of those pillars that Jesus tells us about, that there is always an opportunity for you to make an eternal impact. It's a great pillar to build your life on. The third pillar is that our secure future is imminent. If you look at verse 12 in your Bibles, where it says, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. And being a pillar in the temple simply represents having a permanent place in the presence of God. And it's important for us to remember that God is present in our lives because we are always worried about the future. 
Our future is always uncertain. And that's been true my whole life. And I'm assuming that's been true your whole life. That the future is always uncertain. The future is always uncertain. I just don't expect that to change. But what Jesus wants to say to us in all of that is, look, you are not going to have to worry about your future forever. Your secure future is imminent. And there are these three names that Jesus says he's going to write on us, which I'm assuming is also a metaphor. Um, uh, the name, the first name that he says is he says, I'm going to write the name of my God. And when Jesus writes the name of uh, his God on us, that means that we belong to God. Look, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we belong to God. And God calls us and gives us these open doors because we belong to him. And it doesn't matter what's going to happen in your future. Maybe something bad happens in your future, or maybe you do something bad in your future. It doesn't matter because you belong to God. And that belonging follows us to eternity. And Jesus says, I'm going to write the city of my God on us, reminding us of our true home. You know, for my family, Twin Falls has become home. We, Shannon and I, we moved here 16 years ago. And when we moved here 16 years ago, we had a three-year-old and we had a one-year-old. And our third child was born here. And our kids have all grown up here. My three-year-old is now a sophomore in college. My one-year-old is a high school senior, and our child who was born here is a high school sophomore. And we've made friends here, and we've been involved in the community here. Twin Falls, this is our home for the Swobodas. But this isn't our home. See, our eternal home, that comes later. And I don't know what's home for you, whether it's Twin Falls or whether Idaho is your home, or the United States is your home, Look, be a good citizen, get involved in the community, make a difference, but don't overly fret about what happens here because this isn't your home. Your eternal home comes later. And Jesus says, I'm going to write my new name, a reference to this new reality that Jesus is going to usher in, that he is bringing when he comes in all of his glory and he makes everything new. And this new reality is going to be defined by things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And the old order of things is passing away. And Jesus is making everything new. And this is our future, and it is imminent, and it's another great pillar to build a life on. Again, the traditional pillars of society and the traditional pillars of what we look to for security and stability, whether it's business or our education or our family or entertainment, whatever, there's nothing wrong with these pillars. 
They're just uncertain. And they are always changing. And whatever life has in store for you, whether it's going to be blessing or whether it's going to be a heartbreak, whether it's success or failure, whether you are confident or whether you have fears and doubts, you need the certainty of Jesus. And what Jesus was telling the church in Philadelphia 2,000 years ago was just that. And it's what he's telling us now, that Jesus doesn't change, that there's always an opportunity to make an impact, and that our secure future is imminent. Great pillars to build our lives on. The future is uncertain. But as we move forward in our faith in Jesus, it really doesn't matter that the future is uncertain. Because we're going to build our lives on these pillars which are eternal. Please pray with me. And Lord, again, I thank you. One, for the gift you gave us in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, and the hope that that gives us. Lord, we thank you that Jesus doesn't change. Lord, I would ask that you would give all of us the faith and courage to make the most of the opportunities to make an impact, an eternal impact, in the name of Jesus for you. Lord, that we'd make the most of those. And Lord, that you would remind us about our secure future and that in remembering what our eternal future holds, that, Lord, that would give us hope in our present. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.